One of our most kind of requested questions with you coming on this podcast was specifically your relationship to Sam Altman. Sam Altman, the CEO and co-founder of OpenAI, is being questioned by U.S. lawmakers about the threat that artificial intelligence could pose. So I'll talk about what is able to be said in, in public. I think like the most valuable skill that you can probably build up is your filter. It's like your filter for incoming information. I see like people mess this up time and time again. I don't think I believed in sleep at that point. I would just code until like 4 a.m., fall asleep, rinse and repeat. And that was by far the most productive probably year of my life. And I learned like so much. You just applied to research. I just applied. I have, I know what C++ is. I can you, do, I can do Python, I can do Java, I can do JavaScript. What's the difference between Java and JavaScript? No, no, no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Okay, so Matt, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Love always coming to Founders Inc. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The first time we met, it was actually, I think at least for me, it was AISF. We Sorry. were hosting this like week-long hackathon. We wanted to bring together the best like AI, like developers, builders in the city. And you're and one of you the sponsors. Too. You too. We wanted to bring you too. <laughs> that's, that's actually why we hosted the whole hackathon. Yeah. Vishal just really wanted right. Respell to be there. It's understandable. For the yeah. cookies. For the cookies, yeah, the the absurdly overpriced and also like very stale cookies, but they were a huge hit. They were pretty good. I don't. I they were delicious. They were and stale, apparently, yeah. Devry told me they lasted like uh, six months, and which made me both give me pause and also excited. Why does she know that? I don't. Has it even been six? Have you guys just been sitting on them for like? I still have. I probably still have cookies in my backpack right now. But in order to know that, she would have had to try the cookie after six, six months, months after. I think there was probably on the label, which uh, it's probably for cause for concern. It's like mm. the McDonald's of cookies, but. The McDonald's of cookies. See, I would have, I would have tried the cookie before telling you that. That's just if you, if you need anybody for that. All right, so I'll, I'll send the cookies your way. Any any of the ones I find in my backpack. Let's go. Any of the ones you find in your backpack. <laughs> so one of our most kind of requested questions with you coming on this podcast was actually about Atmos and specifically your relationship to Sam Altman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about what is able to be said in, in public. So uh, I guess maybe starting from like when, so Atmos was uh, started in, well, it was actually 2017-ish, I believe, uh, by Nick and Austin, the original two co-founders. And it I only came on to it. A house at that point or a company? It, it was a company. Yeah. Okay. There's also the house Atmosphere, which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, Atmos was started by Nick and Austin in 2017, and they were doing like AR, VR peripherals. So like XR, I'm not even sure what the terms are anymore. Um, but like they were doing peripherals. So they started with, um, I think gloves for like hand tracking. And then they did I think maybe a belt in there somewhere. Um, but they were going along and eventually they decided they wanted to do full on headsets. Um, and their uh, thing was that it was gonna be modular and you know, swap out components uh, like that one phone, I forget what it was called, but like basically build your own headset type. And then uh, they also wanted a software experience with it. So they're doing both the hardware and the software. And I had met Nick in 20... 2018, when I was here for the summer interning um, at Facebook, uh, and I I met Nick. I was like, okay, this guy's super smart, and I didn't talk to him for another year. And then I was working at Cameo in Chicago. I was really bored, wanting to leave. I was going to start my own personal CRM startup or something, um, which is <laughs> probably a bad idea. It's always personal CRMs or social apps. Yeah, there's I have a good list of like five of the like uh, obvious ideas that are terrible to do, like tarpid ideas. Um, but then I. Uh, Nick reached out to me. He said, hey, we're doing this thing called Amos AR VR. And I thought, wow, that is like bound to fail if you're doing both hardware and software. But I went there and the co-founders, like him and um, Austin and Trent, uh, who had just joined uh, previously, that's also an interesting story how that came about. They were uh, some of the smartest people I've ever met. Like they had the the mental frameworks, they had the principles, they had, they had everything down. Like everything was covered except for um, the idea was just probably not going to work. It's just metaverse was super hard, especially in those days. Um, I don't know if it's harder now or back then, given that Apple's going to the space, but it was just tough to do. And then on top of that, like we had an army of 3D printers that cost a ton of money and it was kind of a mess. And also parts, like even raw parts for VR is like super expensive too, even if you get them from like Alibaba. So anyway, uh, we started as AR VR and then we pivoted into um, housing, custom home building, uh, the wow. natural progression of metaverse startups, of course. Uh, <laughs> Wait, in, in the metaverse, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Like actual what? houses. 
Yeah, but we built actual houses. What do you guys know about like, I was able to walk in they it. They had 3D I printers. I don't think I had stuff. Yeah, but weren't they developers? They had 3D printers. They were developers with 3D with printers. With 3D printers. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you yeah. need to build a house? We, we also That's did not crazy. 3D print the houses. Um, and it, we're, it was not That's factory built either. It was just like, to fail we were more of a service company. So it was like connecting architects and like, okay, home buyer comes to us. They don't know anything about custom home thing, which is like, great, because we don't either. Um, but we didn't tell them that. And <laughs> the intersection of architecture yeah. and not knowing how to build out. <laughs> keep, keep going. Yeah, this is like full lean startup. <laughs> like the first week that we embarked on this journey, we're like, on so the howstuffworks.com, like how do you build a custom home? Um, this is like as, uh, <laughs> as like front loading all the work as you can get. And so we were uh, really trying to figure out how to do this. And at the same time, right like before we were pivoting, um, Nick and Sam, uh, they just like really got along personalities wise. And so they started to uh, hang out quite a bit. And I think from that point on, Sam would come visit us at the like Oakland founder house in the suburban Oakland. And then all the way Man. through the pandemic or not all the way through, but like a bit through the beginning of the pandemic as well. And so we used to hang out with Sam quite often. Um, and I have hugely positive opinion of him. I think he's just like a like perfect, not perfect. Uh, a very good principled and extremely smart and just like fascinating personality type of human being. Um, and so I, I keep up with him every once in a while, uh, although he's quite busy nowadays as he can Really? Expect. What's he doing? Uh, oh, I, I think it's just like um, some AI star, probably like a GPD rapper. He speaks to Congress. And? Oh, that was it. I'm done. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he's like um, kind of getting a bad, bad rap. Lately, it's been interesting to see the turn of when he before OpenAI started becoming like really big with ChatGPT, he was uh, just like everyone wanted to talk to him, to be him, to be around him, and everyone thought so highly of him. Like there was never any of this like malice. And then now, um, it does seem like even some of the people that were of that cohort before are now kind of like taking a look at him in a different light as like, okay, what is, what's going on here? Mm. I, I get there's a whole bunch of stuff around like regulatory capture of um, OpenAI versus other competitors. And there's also like um, some of the things that OpenAI does can be construed as like purposely killing startups. But I really like his value system is incompatible with like that type of thinking. I don't think it's intentional. Um, but I also think that uh, you know, like that's kind of how innovation and in capitalism works. And so like, ChatGPT had to come out at some point and OpenAI was probably the best people to do it. Do you agree with that in terms of OpenAI killing startups? I mean, I think it's necessary. Yeah. Like that's just how things work. Like it, mm. they got to the distribution level and the product level where it was um, massively adopted. And if that kills their startup, then like that's probably on you. And I do think like there are cases where like monopolistic behavior can hinder innovation, but I don't think this is one of those cases. Like OpenAI was basically like super quiet up until then. It's not like they had launched like product after product, just like taking down startups across the field. Um, this was like their spotlight moment and mm. they took it, which is like fully reasonable. Well, when it comes to like killing startups, you're building, like you're the founder of Respell, which if I can try to describe well, what it. A <laughs> when it you comes kill startups, to killing it's, it's, it's a question, it's a question, it's coming. Uh, but it's like a no code way to like build AI work, like AI workflows. Yep. Um, how are you kind of avoiding getting potentially crushed by AI, open AI? Yeah. I mean, so first off, like reliance in the supply chain, that's something I've always been thinking about. Like from the start, we weren't going to be just like, okay, you can build, um, workflows around open AI. It's going to be, you can work, build workflows around any text model. You can build it around any image model or something like that. And images don't have all that many more use cases um, for text, especially in businesses, which we serve primarily. But um, that was one thing that we're extremely cognizant about. Like, okay, if OpenAI shuts off our access or like we hit a quota and like they refuse to budge on it, like what do you do at that point? Like you, you can't do anything. You're just like at the mercy of someone else. Um, and so that's been like part of the journey is, okay, how do we make sure that if like getting our plan B's in place for if Anthropic revokes our access, because uh, they're, they're very... Uh, strict about their content moderation. And um, we've been working with them to make sure that like we're in compliance, but you never know. Mm. And then, uh, and also like, because we're you know, uh, white labeling these models to users, we don't really control the prompts. Like we don't say uh, like what you can or can't do, but we will ban you if you're like, you know, trying to like uh, commit a terrorist act with ChatGPT if that's even possible. But like um, looking at that supply chain and figuring out, okay, what is the plan B if any of these things fail? 
Mm. That's number one. Number two is like provide value in a way that is just resilient against either the potential products that they might launch um, as well as the uh, like the types of things, other companies that might happen um, as a result of their new products. Um, so like if we're doing, uh, if we're selling to a lot of lawyers, right? Like if we did that before Harvey launched, I'd be like shitting bricks right now because like Harvey's um, doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, but we do a lot of different things. We're horizontal. Like we serve any kind of company. If you are doing knowledge work, then you can probably work with Respell. Mm. So then what's your thought process around people who say that you should niche down and you should really make sure you go really vertical and don't capture a horizontal yeah. market? Well, I, I think like we are going like specifically into some verticals that do have like a low risk index, but a high like potential value index as well. Like it's not that you need to do everything at once. That's definitely a recipe for failure. And I think like nobody should be recommending that. But um, I think there's... Uh, kind of like an hourglass structure where like at the top, you start like very uh, wide. You're like, okay, I'm just going to throw stuff at the wall, see what works. Because in, in a space like this, you don't really know what the uh, like killer use case is going to be. Are people really going to like uh, agents? Are they going to like 10 months ago, agents were like barely a thing and nobody really cared and businesses were scared to use them. Is it going to be embeddings? Is it going to be just like workflows, chaining things together? Is it going to be something else? Integrations maybe. Mm. Um and so you have to try a bunch of different things and see what signals you got like very quickly. And so we we'll, we build very fast. But then once you get to that wide point, you still have to like uh, go to market wise, figure out, okay, what is like the vertical that's going to take you to your series A or series B? Because, you know, the common thing that I repeat to our team quite often is if you can sell to one vertical, then you can be a vertical company. Uh, you can just do like vertical SaaS. Worst case, you just pivot to whatever that is. Um, if you can sell to uh, a sector, so multiple um verticals inside of a sector like HR or recruiting or something, yeah. then you can be a sector specific company. But if you can sell to multiple sectors, then you're a horizontal company. And so that's really like where that experimentation comes down is you go wide, you narrow down into one vertical, expand it out to a sector, and then eventually you get back to the wide stage where you're like rippling. You sell to like any freaking company that has payroll, which is every company. And like for us, like we're a knowledge work automation startup. Like Every company has knowledge work. That's kind yeah. of how it works nowadays. But what's how is Rippling better than the competitors? Because isn't that such like, a saturated space? Yeah. And then why are people like complaining so much about Rippling and yet everyone I everyone I know is like talking about it? And then uses, most of the people right? in the office that use it are also complaining about it. Really? Why are they I'm curious why they're complaining. I think the the main point has been it's really hard to get set up on and you have to like hire some like rippling person consultant yeah. to like That's help you set it up. Model. And then it's still hard to set up even with someone else helping you and you can't go in and make your own changes and people just Maybe like Maybe it was because it was like slow season, but I like literally set up in one day with like an onboarding agent um, over Christmas. So I, I don't know like if it was like different from my experience because like nobody was doing things on Christmas. Uh, but yeah, like we incorporated and then also like set Rippling on, on Christmas and it was fine. Why'd um, you go with Rippling instead of like Gusto or something that's a little more? To be honest, I think it's just like I used Rippling at my last company at Amos and I was like, this is great. I love it. And like, I've never had a problem since like there's like little oddies or like a bug might pop up every once in a while, but it's never like critical. Like they, I would assume they test their like payroll workflow. So there's no like <laughs> bugs with that. Cause that would be awful. But I do think that's one of the things that like Rippling did really well was people carry it from company to company. Like Gusto might get ripped out if you do another company and you try something else. Cause I have heard you know, on the flip side, like, I mean, they're massive companies that do many moving parts. And so like, there's bound to be something that people just don't like and they rip it out for some reason or not. But I think like also rippling really focus on like uh, an experience for the users in that like HR platform yeah. that made a good impression. So that if those employees ever do a company on their own or they like had to set it up somewhere else, then they are, it's anchored in their mind. Um, so it's like more account based or not account based, uh, like user based rather than account based, which is how like HR was traditionally. I think that's like everything to do with this whole new wave of HR, like automation systems, like rippling. It's, um, they, they are all like focused on user based cause they now see that the model works. Mm. But how do you, are you going to use the same model here as, as rippling as you guys <clears throat> grow? Um, I don't think like saying same model really yeah. applies for like any company you can match us to. Like we've heard about, okay, we're segment for AI, which I guess uh, we're Zapier for AI. We're yeah. Um, what's the tagline? What's like the, the one liner? Yeah. Um, I, I think like the closest might be Zapier for AI. Um, but then also it's probably worth mentioning that like 
we like Zapier's go to market is very similar to ours. Yeah. But that does not mean that uh, we're going to copy everything from Zapier. I think they made a lot of mistakes. And, and in fact, like Wade is very open about this too. And they have a lot of content out there about like their early dates, which is really fantastic mm. to learn what from. Or some other mistakes. I think they focus on a lot of like tail end integrations that like now that's their whole value prop, but like they were experimenting around and they probably could have been more focused. Um, but then also like one thing that they did really well was like SEO. Um, like that, that basically carried um, a lot of their growth because people were looking like, how do we connect uh, Google Sheets to, I don't know if Typeform even exists back then, but like got Typeform. Yeah. And then that would uh, just like immediately go to Zapier because they had their SEO game down pat. And that's something that we're emulating. But as far as like they went like fully horizontal and, and it was one of those rare cases where it worked because mm. um, it was more like use case focused marketing rather than like vertical specific marketing. We, I don't think we have a license to do that. And so we need to figure out um, like as we go along, like, okay, how do we market to a specific vertical or specific role, like a person that we're selling to? Um, Cause we're automating their job. We're not just like connecting two tools seamlessly. Would you mm. say like one of the things, I think one of the first books we actually ever talked about on the show was zero to one, mm. which very surprising. Um, but I feel like there's two types of companies we're starting, to, we're starting to see pop up a lot. On one hand, there's like rewind AI, which to me feels like zero to one. It's a super cool product, but then there's also other companies. One of them's called like kind. Uh, I get ads for it. It's just like a completely new way to like do user authentication, feature flags, et cetera, um, for like, so that you could basically get like a social app built up really quickly with auth or whatever. Um, and that doesn't feel like a zero to one. That feels like, okay, auth has been around for like the last X years. Now they're just doing it a little better. Where do you think uh, Respell falls in on that like spectrum? Uh, definitely primarily new use cases. And they could be like replacing old things as well. So um, like, I guess it is the question like replacing versus like something completely new. For example, we work with a lot of like recruiters. Like you have a job as a recruiter to like source candidates. Like you're not going to like reinvent the whole profession of recruiting. Like you're going to just do your job like 50% faster or 100% faster or like multiple times faster. 100% faster? The whole job? Maybe not that. (laughs) Maybe some parts of it actually. I was like, damn. Because, well, there are manual processes that you can like pretty much like fully automate now. Like we've done that yeah, for a few yeah. platforms now where like, especially product features yeah. is like it had a human loop process uh, for like approval or for like scoring or for just got rid of the approval and the scoring. So now it just goes straight from your Figma to prod. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I don't believe in PRs. Um, no, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> do not quote me on that. Uh, with no, the you clip, just quoted yourself. Intro. Yeah, I can't. Clip the yeah. intro. So like that's the kind of stuff that we're like replacing. Um, but yeah. then as far as like new things you can do is like, you can now like integrate into your product a like chatbot or like you can call people. Actually, this is my favorite. Like we, you probably saw like we launched the a United. call agent. Um, yeah, the United. We've uh, all seen our previous video. That's yeah, right. Sh- exactly. sh- shout out. There's your shout out. Exactly. So like that call agent was exciting to me because that's something that does seem like incredibly new. Like you've always had like on the other side, like companies that send robots your way, mm. but you you've never been able to like just send a robot to them. And so now it's just like robots fighting each other, which I think is hilarious. And also like a sign of the times that things are changing and um, people are able to delegate a lot more to robots than they actually think right now. So is that, can that be just a plug and play like marketing tool where you can just pick different problem sets and just keep rolling out the, yeah, the, yeah. yeah that, that's what we do. Yeah. You ever seen the, those videos of like the two Chinese restaurants calling each other? Like you set up a one phone. Wait, like you call them both and you put them yeah, together. <laughs> the whole time you were like, oh, like you send robots back to them. That's what I was thinking about. Those have to be like some my, like my favorite genre of like harmless pranks. Yeah, 100%. They just get mad at each other. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Do you think we're going to get to a point with respell specifically where you could start replacing your hires with bots? I think we're already seeing that. Um, like, I mean, take that like human, so like a recruiting platform. Okay. If you want to like, uh, score, can, like they get thousands, like one of the weird things about this last decade of hiring is that it's gotten a lot easier for applicants to just apply to jobs, but like almost no tooling has helped. Like you can maybe make the, the interface source, like, yeah. like 10%, 20% faster to like just zoom through resume ranking. But like you, <laughs> you don't have the tools to deal with the volume that you get nowadays. Like we opened up a job posting and we got, I think it was like 200 applicants a day. Like, I'm not going through that. I'm, I'm not even going to spend like someone's time to go through it. And like, I feel bad because I had to hate, you know, having been a former candidate uh, that gets upset at ghosting myself. Yeah. Now I'm on the other side. I'm like, oh, I get it now. 
Like there's just no way people can respond to this. How do you actually go through them? Like what's the process? Uh, well, uh, you know, two years ago, you could just, uh, like you would go, I think Lever was like, an, it's an ATS that just like lets you go like reject, accept, reject, accept. And you just like triage it and you just like keep going down the stack. But it still takes a ton of but time. But you just get tired at some point, right? Like 150, you'll just Yeah, stop. your eyes would glaze yeah, over and right? you probably like make worse decisions. And yeah. it's like, it's soul draining because like I'm a person who hates rejecting other people too. Like I always like to let people down softly, but like I have no opportunity. Give me, give me a reject, like give me a sample of rejection. You just applied to restore. I just applied. I have, I know what C++ is. Do you? Yeah. What is it? It's a coding language. <laughs> <laughs> How? I can, you, do, I can you, do Python. I can do Java. I can do JavaScript. What's the difference between Java and JavaScript? No, no, no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I love that. I was going to ask, like, what was C versus C++, but Ooh. I think we're... Yeah, it's just innovation, so you have to innovate, <laughs> right? That's a beautiful answer. All right, you're in. You have any toilets that need to be cleaned? I'll set you up on Rippling. Ooh. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but how would you reject that? Yeah, reject Yeah, me. okay, so, I mean, get back to it. Like, uh, usually, like, I would try to give, like, personalized feedback. Like, I always try to give, like, something from what I actually think. It's like, okay, look, your skills are not there. Like, I don't want to like tell people like a fake rejection because I think it's just like mm. counterproductive to yourself and them. Like there's no point. Like I'd rather be blunt and them hate yeah. me for five Like minutes. a standardized message. Like your front end, like, I'm sorry, my front end developer needs to know what JavaScript is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the kind of stuff I would probably say. Damn, that, that's harsh though. That's pretty harsh. Front end developer needs to know JavaScript? <laughs> yeah, that's I'm saying- you draw the line? I'd feel, I'd feel bad. <laughs> you should for that. <laughs> Code Academy. Great place. I'll send but, you a link in the But that's what you do. You'd like send me a link. Like if, I, if I'm not meeting the skills, you'd actually imagine, try to. Imagine you apply to a company and they say, Bro, why we, can we get off link? me as an example? <laughs> <laughs> why are we still, this is too long on this. Yeah, okay. So, but anyway, so we like, that's one of the things that like you can replace uh, like mostly. So like platforms, yeah. they're starting to get um, to the point where they need to just like cut down on that like stack of resumes. And so like we can build out like the scoring me mechanism with AI for you, like, Pretty quickly, we've done that a few times now. Um, so like that's one of the things where like usually you'd like hire someone in like the Philippines or just like maybe even have one of your full time people just like literally score it, yeah, manually because you can't do it really all that well with deterministic methods. You could mm -hmm. just like try to build something like super complex. It's probably not going to work. Um, but AI does it pretty well, and mm -hmm. so that's like one of the things that we can do that like removes people entirely from the loop, and that's like cutting jobs. Um, but I also like to think of like repurposing instead of automating away jobs. Mm. One of the things I, I tried building when I was like 11 or 12, I didn't know how to code. I tried building like a Jarvis, mm. like from Iron Man style um, assistant. And I was like, in my head, I was, was like, it? didn't work. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to replace Google Home with this. Like I'm going to um, actually turn it into something useful. I'm like, how has no one ever done this before? Start building it. You're like, oh, this is why no one's done it before. Yeah. Do you think now we're at the point where that would just work? Even with just GPT-4 yeah. calls and 11 labs? Yeah, I, I think you can get like a shitty version. Um, I, I do think there's like, okay, if you take like this Jarvis spectrum, like we were at like, you know, like 5% with like Siri or something like sure. awful, but did something. Um, but then now like we just leapfrog to like 50%. We can get like 50% of the way of like to a Jarvis. It can't be like original. It can't like fully integrate into all your systems or like, you know, Jarvis probably was like hacking into like Tony Stark systems. I doubt he shared his password all the time with Jarvis. Um, like he's not having one-on-ones with Jarvis. Um, <laughs> and so like AI girlfriend, not AI colleagues. Exactly. And there's a lot of like issues with it, like integrating into your systems. It's probably like number one. That's always been such a pain. Cause like some websites have APIs, some, some don't. And like, um, there's a couple of interesting companies that are doing more work of like turning websites that don't have an API into like an API from like the front end using GPT. Hmm. But uh, I think we're still a bit far away from like how well the tech works. And then same with agent reasoning. That's another roadblock technically, which is like you, uh, we don't have good assurance for like, okay, is it telling the truth? Is it like going down the wrong thought path? And then like, can I redirect it? It's, mm. an, it's a very like async workflow, which is great because you want an agent to just like do things. But that's also not like how like delegating things works anyway. Like they're going to like do some stuff, compile questions, come back to you. XYZ, knock it out, yeah. and then they go back to it. And I think we're like in a weird pendulum swinging state between agents where it's like either all sync or all async. And it needs to be somewhere in the middle, I think. But is it is this stuff profitable? Like 
I, 11 labs is really expensive, right? To use it in those capacities? Um, no? It's actually not, no. No? No, like you can make, like, I mean, I'd assume there's, um, I, I think Air, the other call agent that launched recently, like, I think they said they used 11 labs. And so, like, they, like, you can make it pretty economical yeah. with um, 11 labs. Mm. So then what are things I can do in my personal life, like, automate away completely that would actually make I would my like life to start with, like, better. what do you spend the most time on? Let's see. What do I spend the most time on? It's a good question. I'll get back to you. So learning JavaScript and yeah, learning JavaScript. Well, probably script. probably a combo of like emails, social media. So a lot of it's like reviewing things before they get put out. Um, so whether that's like a vlog or whether that's like some like tweet or like reviewing a lot of copy um, and then social media. Right. Right. And then how confident do you feel that if you like told someone who was like relatively confident that like how, how you do it, that they could copy it 80% of the way? 80% of the way, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's usually the thought process that I follow down. It's like, okay, what takes your time? Do you feel like this is something that, like, a person could do? And then the hard part then is mapping, okay, now how do we get an AI, which is, like, the 80% competent person, to do it then for you? So, mm -hmm. like, reviewing, uh, is it, like, content or? Yeah, like, it's a mix, right? So, a lot of it, it, it could be, like, designs. It could be videos. It could be, like, copywriting. Yeah, but so let's like, say let's say designs. Let's use any, a product yeah. manager workflow. Like, okay, you want a design that like looks good before you send it to a developer to like actually start building. Yeah, so like aesthetic taste is interesting because I think a lot of people assume that like AI can't have like aesthetic taste, but it can. It, it, it can. The problem is um, multimodal is what you need for that. So like you can't just like um, pass a like an image into it and just say like okay like how is this? Um, it needs to understand like this is what it's supposed to look like. The other like it needs to understand the text, right? You don't send designs that are just like. I guess you could do like graphic design and that that might work. Um, but like if you're trying to do like uh, mock-ups for UI, like there's going to be text on it. And you need, and when you're reviewing, you're probably like, okay, does this make sense? Is it the right flow? Should it be tabs instead of like a dropdown? They can like do that. that. Um, with multi-models models, it can. Can you explain multi-models for someone that doesn't know JavaScript? Yeah. So uh, I, I know, but just for other people. Do you know right? ChatGPT? He, yes. he knows JavaScript. Yeah. So, um, okay. I know. If, yeah, he works on the second floor. Imagine ChatGPT, but it understands images, which actually... Do they have that integrated into ChatGPT now? I haven't checked the Uh Do they? Does it understand images? Yeah, I'm sure there's some plugin. There's probably a plugin, right? Yeah. Maybe I don't know, um, but I know GPT-4 does have multimodal capabilities. Which what it means is it understands both text and image. And you might think, okay, well that's fine. Like we have like text and image models separately. Like, is it just like okay now I can like send images and stuff? But it can actually do a lot more. It's a Instead of a just like additive, it's multiplicative in terms of the use cases it enables. Like imagine mm. you have a very complicated form with a, like a layout that is, uh, you know, have like um, metadata on the left. So like let's say an order form it has your like prices on, on the right. It has your items um, on the left and has your signature at the bottom. Like if you just feed that into text, especially if it's like PDF or something, it might get messed up. It might oh, like mangle sure. things and like you don't know which price goes to which item. But multimodal would basically be able to take a picture of um, of that invoice and say, mm. oh, I can see not only uh, the text and understand that inside of the image, but I can also like map it to the spatial layout and understand mm. it via that. And I think that's a huge step up that people don't realize um, in terms of like what that enables. Like imagine then you see a chart yeah. um, online. Like, Imagine trying to pass a chart into ChatGPT and just say like, okay, like fact check this. Like you can't do that. Mm. Um, probably for maybe like simple charts, if you could extract the text out of them, or maybe you give it some like extra context. But then at that point, you're just doing the work for it. Um, imagine that you pass a chart and it's like, I don't know, uh, you know like uh, an obesity, obesity rates in America over the last like 20 years or something. You're like, okay, like fact check this. Uh, and it, can understand from that image, okay, it's talking about obesity, it's at the title at the top, here are the axes, here are the numbers, um, and then this is like the trend line, and then it can like understand that, and then maybe even go make web search calls. Mm. Um, to like be over for you. You and your facts. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, last week, I think it was, uh, I was with Joe Her and, and, and Vishal, and we we're talking about like, I don't know, Spain somehow, and he's like, yeah, like Spain has like the third best, uh, it's the third best country for startups like that come out of it. And he just kind of no, no, says no, no, it. No, no, no. The he, third most concentration of early stage founders in Europe. <laughs> no, no, no. He said in the world. And so 
me and Joe were like, oh, wait. And we like Google it. And he's like, wait, why are you guys Googling it? <laughs> I didn't know. Because usually when yeah, I say don't. stuff, people just move on. Right. But right. then me and Joe were like, wait, there's no way that's true. Yeah. And so I'm on Google. Joe was on And they were in some sort of mood, like figuring out like. <laughs> Spent like five minutes on this. We're like, there's no way for like that to be correct. You can't even like, not even like off by one. It was like the seventh or eighth. Oh, okay. It was the sixth, I think. <laughs> I'm going to fact check that again. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Made him learn JavaScript. Exactly. Well, to be fair, I actually learned something. I didn't know where they were. Yeah. I mean, I know nothing about like Spanish entrepreneurship concentration. Um, well, we were doing an event. We were doing an event for Spanish. They were speaking oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Spanish. I see. And people were like, why is this happening? I was like, let me tell you why. Okay. So you at least like tried to do your research. In 100%. No. no there was no, there <laughs> we was tried to do that. our research here. <laughs> he just here. like pulled it out of his head. I mean, this is Danny Miranda level research. This is, is it Danny Miranda? I don't even know. know That's an insult. That's an insult to Danny Miranda. I'm joking. Yeah. Hopefully Danny, if you make it here, you'll know that I'm joking. And it's a shout out to his, he's a podcaster, but he does phenomenal research. That's what he's known for. Gotcha. Like he knows like your sixth grade math teacher. Like personally. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's been there. That's terrifying. Like before he interviews you, like he's going to go to Chicago, Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah, He's going to go there, interview them. But yeah, GPT-4, Claude. What about it? What do you want to know about Claude? I know very but, little. Oh, I, I thought you knew a lot. Uh, I mean, we've only started using it. Um, and we like put it onto Respell about a week ago. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting because they took a different approach um, that seems very slightly off to the average person, but also makes a massive difference, which is they trained on XML. Um, so one of the like funny things that we noticed during the hackathon, there was a hackathon, I think, was it last week or two weeks ago? And... They gave a tip where instead of just passing the prompt directly, just wrap the prompt in like like a like a bracket text, and then at the end also close the tag like HTML or XML, and that improves performance by like a significant margin, like multiple tenth percent. Mm. And I think I, I remember like thinking about that um, more because okay, OpenAI is like pretty simple; it's just trained on mostly just text, so like that's the natural interface, but. You know, what is the like, okay, wrap um, you know, wrap your prompt instead of text tags equivalent for like GP4? Um, like, what is that like little tiny prompt engineer hack that can just like, uh, you know, plus 50% accuracy your output? Yeah. Um, I think there's like a ton of that going too. And also extrapolating more generally to models, like, we have no idea what they're capable of. Um, like, no clue. We've just barely scratched the surface. And um, who was it? Was it um, by the time? we get like GPT-5 or whatever the next iteration of like the massively interesting and performant models are, uh, we're probably going to get to like 20 to 30% of the uh, like known knowledge landscape of GPT-4, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like we're building new models that are smarter so fast that we can't even get past the, uh, like understand everything we can about the current generation. Is is there is there a space where open AI and, Anthropic like coexist, or is like one of them just gonna kill the other one? AWS and Firebase both exist. Fair. Yeah, I mean, like market dynamics. I think they're both probably gonna exist if yeah. they don't like run out of money. Um, but then, as far as like differentiation, like yeah, what actually makes this different? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think they could try to go into different modalities, like image or like whatever. Like OpenAI is, is interesting because it like owns like the best models. Well, actually except for mid maybe the best models for like images and text and uh, transcription. Yeah. Um, but Antarctic and the other competitors, they only do like one. So that's like an interesting precarious position to be in for them. Mm. And like, if they try to go into mo- other modalities, I think they might just get stomped by open AI. It's entirely possible, but they could also focus into more of a niche. So like Anthropic, especially at the beginning was really focused on like content moderation, safety, AI safety. That's like their whole thing from the start. Um, and I don't know if like nowadays they care as much about like long-term X risk AI safety yeah. or if they care more about like short-term, like uh, what can people like use to do evil in the world uh, using our models. But uh, I think that's kind of their edge is like they could be like the privacy focus LLM because open AI is um, like, there's a lot of concern with businesses around like, okay, are they using my model to, or using my data to train their models? Are they like storing my stuff? Um, a lot of compliance concerns. And that's why a lot of companies are opting to use like Azure instead of, um, open AI platform, oh. but like maybe Anthropic can fix that and be like the secure private LLM. Mm. Um, or, and I don't think this is 
going to happen for OpenAI by May for the competitors, they may go into different services and products, um, like beyond just like the chatbot interface and the API. Like what if they launched, I don't know, like a AI copilot. There was a bunch of those startups like you know, five months ago. Some of them are still going. Um, like what if they just do like, oh, Claude is your personal assistant, which I think is actually their tagline right now. It's def- it's something. I've right, heard that something very similar. It's like Claude's your personal assistant that also like logs into your accounts for you and does everything. And it's like your Jarvis. So it like fulfills that dream. Maybe. And I don't think OpenAI would do that. Um, Cause OpenAI is like very like uh, laser focused on getting to AGI. And at Dropback, I think is a little, like, this is my personal opinion. I have no idea what's going on in their heads, but like I would assume that they're a bit more um, like business driven and like safe AI to enhance humanity kind of deal. What's mm. the deal with, um, OpenAI, it was like a nonprofit, then it wasn't. I heard there was like some some change. I don't know. There was some something going on right, on Twitter. Kaido was talking about, right? This one. Yeah. Um, so they started off as nonprofit. Um, and and Elon then, Musk was a co-founder of that. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so it was uh, Sam, Elon, I think Greg was there in the beginning as well, and a couple other like big names in the space. And then they got uh, funding um, by a lot of like VCs mostly. Um, I heard Elon Musk put like 50 million of his own money in it. Probably. I don't know. Um, and then they, so Sam took over CEO or maybe he was from, sorry, I'm not sure. And then they were doing, cause that was back in the era of like early open AI, which is very interesting space. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize like how long open AI has been around slash like been doing interesting things. How long Mm -hmm. have they been around? Um, oh, since like, I think it was like, what, 2014, 2015. Oh, really? Earlier maybe. I don't know. I forget. Um, but it's, it's a lot longer than people realize. Like yeah. they were working on this stuff for a long time. Um, and in the beginning they had OpenAI playground, uh, which was a, cause they were focused on really interested in the reinforcement learning space, which was just giving, um, like what it was now like agents, but just very dense neural nets, um, rewards for doing good behavior and then learning on the fly. So they used to play video games. Um, and they had, I think it was like OpenAI universe is what they called it. Um, where they like, had um, for Playground just like a couple different like Atari games that they had gotten really good models to play. And then they expanded into Universe, which was like supposed to be, okay, now you can like build general agents for um, any game out there. And we'll give you like a virtualized sandbox for that game where you can yeah. like emulate it and run in run agents inside of it. And it was very interesting. I remember like, like mind blown out in college at this point, like this is so freaking cool. Um, and then they just like hard... <laughs> right turn pivoted yeah. into text probably because they saw some success with like GPTJ when um, mm. they released GPTJ, uh, GPTJ. They probably realized like, oh, we could like imagine if we could just scale this up with data. And yeah. I think that's like what they did. Yeah. Everything starts with games. Man. Slack, right? Wasn't Slack Slack like a was initially just a, mm-hmm. a game. You're a big gamer. I was a big gamer. Right? Really? You're a professional gamer. Uh, not professional. Uh, I don't think even like professional sports were like... Yo, Eric, I'm going to fire in you, my. Bro. That research. <laughs> um, I was I was hardcore enough that if professional gaming was in uh, like full swing at that point, I might have considered it as a career path. Yeah. Um, I so I started off with um, a whole bunch of like browser based like kingdom builder games. Like um, I don't know if anyone remembers like Tribal Wars. I think I was like the biggest of all of them. Yeah. Um, and there was one that was I played a lot called like Icarium, and that was like my very early days. Uh, and so it was like a lot of RTS strategy, um, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I played RuneScape for a little bit. Nice. And then I think I like, I died and rage quitted or something. And then I went to World of Warcraft. That's it? That's, oh, that was it? Like you died once and then you just- Okay, I, I played for like three years. I honestly don't remember all that much of it. I remember killing cows in Lumbridge and then like yeah. uh, everything else is blank. Yeah, me too, um, to be honest. <laughs> you play RuneScape? But the music will no, still bring You me don't back. look like someone who played RuneScape. Thanks. That's not a compliment. <laughs> I will say I think it's a compliment. Um, <laughs> the, the yeah, but then I made the jump to World of Warcraft, which that was like the game that I played for like eight years straight. Uh, I think I clocked. You play that too? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the stat is actually quite damning. Um, I think I clocked like almost two and a half years of like in-game playtime. Damn. For like two. You played for eight, eight years. years straight. <laughs> yeah, <That's crazy. laughs> holy shit! So, so you like spent more than a quarter of six your six hours a day. Yeah. How much did you sleep? 
I don't think I believed in sleep at that point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was like my like absurd coffee. Just like every great gamer. Because I was also swimming in high school. So I remember like I would wake up at like 4 a.m. for yeah. practice. I would have two coffee mugs in hand. I would chug one of them before, one of them after. Damn. Uh, go back home before school to eat breakfast and get another coffee in. Go to school, after school practice, <laughs> do my homework, play WoW for six hours. Damn. Um, so you just Michael tired. Phelps, but you just playing the, you added the WoW. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So instead of like the massive breakfast, I yeah. had like, um, more than four <laughs> like he eats 12 times a day. The time you just ate like a few times and then use the rest of the time to, to play. play wow. Optimization. Did people say maybe? wow. Yeah. Is it what is I thought it was. Wow. It's both. Oh. Wow. Is the, I like the, the way I say it. wow. Yeah. But I was like, I was like super into it. I was hardcore game. And like every time in my interviews, even till today, um, not that I do a lot of like, um, you know, job interviews anymore, but, uh, I used to, they used to ask me, okay, like, what was your, like, tell me about time you like manage people. And like, there's been no harder task in my life for managing people than managing a guild of like a thousand people on, oh, on WoW. That's what you pull out? That yeah. Was yeah. Uh, so like you I, ever heard of like, like, I thousands. Interview, job interviews. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, like what people that play WoW are not like the, like most disciplined people or like the people like happiest with their life. And so there's a lot of like social problems. And like, if you can yeah. deal with, like a thousand people and coordinate them for like eight years in a row. I think there's either something like horribly wrong with you or like you can learn quite a bit of like management experience. I think I have both. Damn. Yeah. What's, what's the biggest takeaway about management and incentive alignment. Yeah. Incentive alignment is mm. like probably the biggest one. Good one. Um, like incentive engineering, I think is like the art of perfecting incentives with the team. Um, like everything from like the little thing you say to little like notices you post up to every message you send to every like, um, bit of work that you do because you know that your team is going to be watching you as someone to like look up to like everything has to be like choreographed it doesn't mean like you can't slip up yeah but like you have to be intentional about it the other thing is like understanding people at their core as like core elements and this is also yeah. like a, a very uh like long-standing fascination of mine is just like understanding people in psychology and especially in social systems yeah um but understanding like what are their incentives what are their like hoped for outcomes like what do they want and then what motivates them? Mm. If you can understand like those three things, you're already already doing like better than 80% of managers. Because um, mm. most do managers you, don't care to learn. How do you do that? Like same principles for Respell? How big is the team? How does that translate? Um, so team is six full-timers and then there are six contractors. Um, one thing that I we do that's a bit different, I think getting a little more, um, more time than uh, lately than uh, it used to, is we trial everyone before they come on. So like nobody joins respell unless they do like a week or two weeks or a month long trial with us. Um, and part of that is so that I can learn like, okay, what cut, what type of person are they? What are they motivated by? What's their incentives and what is their motivations? And if I feel like it's someone that either I can't service, like they want something that I can't give them or that they want something, um, or they're motivated by something that I can't like, you know, pull a lever on, then it's probably not a good fit for the team. Um, cause ultimately they're going to be tired, depressed, burnt out, uh, upset for some other reason, or yeah. they're not going to be able to do their work. And uh, so like, that's maybe like number one is like we trial everybody. And number two, it's just like, I don't do one-on-ones, but I'm with the team in and out every day. I do, I see work like every day. I, the only thing I don't do anymore that I used to do a lot is coding. Um, I love coding. And that's exactly why I told myself I cannot do it for respell. Same. That's why I don't do it no more. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We, yeah. we can Wait, jam on JavaScript. Later. Yeah. hundred percent. Is it because you'll get too like in the weeds with it? Yeah, I'll get too in the weeds. I'll get sucked in. Um, like that—that that is something I, I love. Like just late nights, uh, like alone, music blasting, uh, beer in hand. Like that's the best kind of night for me. Um, and I realized that, like, okay, I'm gonna miss so many like 8 a.m. meetings. <laughs> yeah. If I do this, what you know, is like, it with the coding at night? Because you're—I mean, it's the same. Like most coders, yeah, it's the night times better. I'm gonna than get the, your your hypothesis on this as a coder yourself. As a yeah, coder. As, as, a very experienced. Yeah. You couldn't even finish the sentence. He just says as a fully experienced. <laughs> so as, as a very experienced, my hypotheses would be like, you're just more creative in the nighttime. The way you said that your eyes got big. And you're like, well, <laughs> you're I, I actually like, I think it's for some people and probably for like oh, a lot dark of dark mode, dark mode. What? Dark. You have that in the day too. No, nah, but- <laughs> No, but yeah, like, they no, like no, you like, like looking at the dark, <laughs> dark mode, mode thing, right? 
just it's just your more blinds, effective. Yeah, but the, the 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 light leaks through. Who has the time to put all those blackout? Okay, curtains? I love both of these hypotheses. I'm sure they have like some marginal impact. I would actually say some though, <laughs> this is his manager speak, right? He's like good no, at constructive him, feedback. Yeah, He's really good, good at constructive feedback. I appreciate um, that. I do think it's more of uh, distractions, like. Every programmer you've probably talked to, uh, mm. sorry, that you've experienced day to day, um, <laughs> is like absurdly neurotic about like being distracted and like focus work and like yeah. deep work. Um, nighttime was like the only time I could get people to just like not bother me. Mm. And like my so my schedule at Atmos was pretty aw- awful. Um, so when we were living in in the Oakland house, uh, the four of us, and just like hacking together like sixteen hour days, like yeah. back to back, I would wake up at. 2 p.m. I would work until dinner time, and then I would get a beer, smoke a little, and then uh, I would just code until like 4 a.m., fall asleep, rinse and repeat. And that was by far the most productive probably year of my life, and I learned like so much because wow. like from my, all my roommates were like, um, or co-founders were like, uh, not morning people, but like daytime people. Yeah. And so like they would always go to bed at like 10 to 12, and I would be up, for like an extra four, maybe even six hours, mm. just like be able to like do anything and focus and get so deep into it. And that was like essential for me. Mm. But I think everyone also has their own reasons. Um, that's the most common one here. But uh, yeah, I think like there's also like, I do get more creative at night Yeah, um, and I have trouble sleeping as a result, but I always keep like a, a sticky notepad right next to my desk. Interesting. Being more creative at night is a big one, even for like creatives that like don't code necessarily you get your best work done yeah you see a lot of like artists as well having like flipped schedules yeah i definitely think there's like some part of it i don't know if it's like person by person or like rap music is just creative in general a lot of them create at night right yeah like all through the night and they'll just sleep during the day yeah i think like the thing that actually because obviously like growing up um and i've had the schedule for a long time like i was always like a 2 a.m 4 a.m bedtime person yeah um even when i was like swimming and waking up at 4 a.m um that's wait, wait so you go to sleep at 2 and wake up before? I did not get a lot of sleep in you, high school. You didn't hear the part about the coffee before, and then the coffee after, and then the other coffee after oh, yeah. that. I, I, I was like coffee. fully, Damn, like bro. stimulants were like my savior in high school. Um, Cause like I had no self-control, so I could not go to bed on time. But then also I had to wake up early for early morning swim practice. That's good. Did you wake up before I am this morning? This morning? Nah, when you were swimming, cause <laughs> you swim too. Nah, why would I never, say this? Why would why would you say this morning? We live together. Why would I ask <laughs> you? A, you guys, a good question. When you said that, I was like, "Oh, this is like a bit." Is he like joking? <laughs> I did. You did? No. You did what? <laughs> Something along the lines of that. All right. <laughs> yeah, it never, wasn't every day either. Like I, I was not like our, our coach was not that statistic to like get us to do like early morning practice every. Yeah. I don't think it was even like legal. Um, like child. Oh, to wake yeah, you there's, up. There's like a limit, I think, to like how often you can get people. To oh like, yeah. Okay. I think I like know, at know, some I point, went, yeah. like we weren't even supposed to do practice over like winter break or something, but like our coach made it like indirectly clear. Damn. Yeah. But it was fun. I mean, like I, I wouldn't trade, I guess like what I did in high school uh, for anything except for like maybe not continuing with my Bitcoin exchange. Your Bitcoin exchange? Your what? What? Dude's oh, just wait, dropping yeah. these things. <laughs> <What are> you- <laughs> this was this was like the first programming project I ever did. Like so in 2011, 2012 or so, I was a freshman in high school. And uh I came across Bitcoin, I think on 4chan actually. Uh, uh, I used to like be on the not on like the, the weird channels, uh more on the um uh G, which was computer technology board. And there was like three types of threads that would always pop up. It was like um, uh, browser wars, operating system wars, just like people arguing nonstop. Yeah. And then like PC. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like that was, it was like that crazy nonstop. Like it was always like five threads on it. Yeah, they're nerds, bro. And then, and then there was always like a Bitcoin thread. Yeah. Um, And I was just like, after like looking into it, I was like, it sounds like a complete scam, but I'm also interested and like it costs no money. So like I, at that point, didn't know how to code and I learned how to code. I like went to Code Academy, got my Python, yeah. and I like, wrote the whole thing. Oh, you took like Code year. Academy? Hmm? You were just born with it? No, I did Khan Academy. For, for code? For coding. I didn't know they had that. They had that, brother. You oh. got to call Khan himself. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of those times he lies. You got to fact check that. Give me that spreadsheet. <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah, so I built that over like the next year. Um, and then 
I was like 14 when I finished it, or like 13. And then I remember talking to my dad. He's like, well, running a financial institution when you're like 14 probably isn't like a good idea. As most dads would say. I was like, that is a very valid take, and I'm going to take your advice. And then I kind of regret it. Because like nobody, as I found out later, like nobody give a shit. Um, But it was fun. Like that launched me into that. And then basically right after that, that's when I got into like AI, ML, data science, all that fun stuff, complex systems. So what would you, let's say you sell Respell for like a billion dollars, right? Okay. What would you do? You just keep doing startups or you'd kind of just, uh, I definitely wouldn't sit still. Yeah. Um, I get restless on vacations after like three days, three um, days. Yeah. So you swim, you swim on vacation. No, I don't. you don't Actually, swim. I've been in a pool. Like I can count on the, my fingers. How many times I've been in a pool since high school. Really? How many yeah. fingers? I would say six. Yeah, you got some long, not counting. Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. What the I hell? think you actually just have short fingers. <laughs> no, 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 my thumb's longer than he yours. you stubby. <laughs> Bro, my thumb's longer than what? yours. Look. Oh, that's wild. Eric, take yeah, a picture of this. But his middle <laughs> finger's like huge. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. That's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, but like I I don't like <laughs> swim anymore. It's it just, like, it's not therapeutic like for you. Like how, how do you, how do you like, you know, kind you of traumatized get by away. those 4am practices. How do I get, a, oh, how do yeah. I, I don't, so I really like don't take breaks. I play video games every once in a while. Um, wow. Yeah, actually, wow. I have been playing a little bit of because they started re-releasing the expansions. I'm like, oh man, this is like the worst thing you could possibly do. But you don't play for six hours. No, I don't play for six hours. Okay. I play for like he has a company. You got discipline. Yeah, but I also realized yeah, like but he could just be like every RP like I could, shit, right? It's like yeah, <laughs> leave me alone. I yeah, got I, I got serious. I got people to. I got <laughs> thousands to manage. What are y'all? It's like it's true. Yeah, Paul, and, carry like, weight. I set, I set rules for myself. Like I I, I don't um, like there's certain things in the game I won't do. Yeah. Um, but then also like I just. Uh, I realized that when I was coding, like I could code nonstop for like a, like pretty much forever until I fall asleep and then like for it to repeat yeah. and like take a day off to do a walk. But with CEO stuff, um, and why you do it like that? You a CEO. There's like so many things and <laughs> just like blanket wrapping it with quotes. Okay. Um, like email meetings, email conversations, meetings. partnerships, like product specs, like that stuff is so much more draining than coding was, uh, for me. Uh. Um, which I, I think is like kind of an interesting take. Cause like most people assume that like email is less. Than yeah. I would say that should be easy for than you. coding. Yeah. I think maybe I just got like, I mean, guys like coding. us that code, like it's yeah. easier for me. Yeah, like, exactly. Really easy. <laughs> <laughs> guys like us who code. <laughs> so I could tell. <laughs> That's gotta be the biggest diss on anybody. <laughs> on you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Damn. I would say like, I just don't relax all that often. Yeah. Um, mm. I might go and walk everyone. To, I don't have a car though. So like, I'm like stuck in the city <laughs> for most of the time. I'm going to Burning Man. That's my first break since. Oh, aren't you like running or like Burning Man. doing some coordination thing for Burning Man? Yeah. You run Burning Man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm Mr. Burn. No, no, no. You just oh. run. You're like the guy. They're like, that guy was running. <laughs> you're like Forrest Gump in Burning Man. You're just, you're just booking it. <laughs> That's how they know him. <laughs> you like see the video this year and it's just him. Uh, 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 they're like, hey, didn't didn't that guy used to swim? They're like, yeah, he runs <laughs> now. He's yeah. a CEO. Yeah, it's 4 a.m. He's a CEO. <laughs> Deuce Different is person. booking yeah. it. Yeah, I, I'm not running the camp, like, thank God, because okay. um, some I like, um, so I've been, I went last year, same camp going with this year. Yeah. Um, I go for like the long, like trip of it. Like I go for two weeks um, because like, I feel like a week you just end there, you go there and you party and like it, I, I want time to relax. Like yeah. I'm going to go for like the build and the tear down a little bit too. Mm. Cause like the build is the most peaceful, peaceful part of it. I think is like when you get in, like nothing's like built. It's just like RVs in the desert. Some like basic yeah. scaffolding. And then like over the week you see the city built. It's not like a, a linear curve either. It's like, like there's nothing built until like the last day and then like everything goes up. Um, I think it's just like a much more interesting experience. So yeah. like I go for that, um, the build and I drive up the camp truck and everything too. So I, I'm also like a, like I like warm vacations and my boyfriend likes cold vacations. So like last two trips we've gone like skiing and I'm like, I want to like, yeah, I want to like sweat a little bit. And so mm-hmm. like Burning Man's the perfect place for that. I love it. Yeah. Las Vegas too, but, um, oh my God, I, way too much stimulation. Like I'm not like a better either, or like a gambler. So like I go into Las Vegas, I'm like, oh, look at all the pretty buildings. And then like that gets old after like two days. I, I'm also terrified of bugs. 
and Las Vegas has the most terrifying insects I've ever seen in my freaking oh, life. Oh, you could see those crazy scorpions. I didn't even see scorpions. I, I just oh, saw like yeah. shadows. I didn't see a single bug while I was there. Scorpions, bro. And you could see an armadillo. They're not scary. They're friendly. No, no. <laughs> I would not classify those as insects. So why why would you say Why'd you say it like that? Say it again. Armadillo. I like the way you said that. How did I say it? You say it? Armadillo. See, that's much better. Right, what are we critiquing my speech now? <laughs> yes. You got tweets. Tell you what, I code now. better than I speak. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it means you don't speak very well either. We can set you up with an Eleven Lab subscription and then down to work for free. Now. I don't have to pay for it. No. <laughs> Why'd you laugh? Why'd you laugh <laughs> like that? That's I'm not gonna get it for free. It's messed up, bro. It's expensive. Because uh, you're gonna put me on the month trial, right? For respo. You can have free credits. No, that's not what I asked for. <laughs> what do you? <laughs> what? He's a good CEO. Nah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do things for you, bro. Like code? No. <laughs> you need other things, right? I think you pitched clean the toilets. I, I think we're full on that. Um, How? How? I do the cleaning. What? All right, but yeah, I can take some time off. What do you mean delegate, you do the cleaning? Bro, you got a thousand people at World of Warcraft get help to, yeah. to, to clean the toilet. Come on. No, I actually do a lot of like some of the, the less savory work. Um, partially mm -hmm. because like, I know what I know what I could do for you. You got it? All right, you ready? Oh, no. All right. He makes a fake coding profile for me. He does all the tutorials for me, right? I apply to your competitors. You guys send me in as like a <laughs> stealth operation and I will slowly deteriorate their code until there's nothing left. And he'll deteriorate their team too. My the team. I would destroy the team dynamics too. Are you going to pay for the lawyers? What do you mean? <laughs> That's illegal? How is that illegal? <laughs> I think that might count as like some kind of like espionage. Well, that's a I, I don't know if it would be like sabotage. I don't know like the legal term, but like I would be skeptical. That's crazy, bro. I just pitched you an epic company. <laughs> that's, that's, we'll work on that. That's what we do here. Tell them what we do here. I'm so good. I don't know myself at this point. <laughs> Are you in? I, th I think so. Like we're in the studio. You in the studio, bro. You're not part of the. Oh, that's true. We're in I the don't studio. Well Co-working spaces. So that's like my problem. It's like he I can't needs work focus. Oh, he needs yeah, focus. Yeah, I, I do need focus. I think it's like just the the leftovers from like my like coding days is just like ah, I thought you were talking about lunch. Like if, if someone's like talking, yeah. <laughs> I like cannot focus on work whatsoever. He gets in focus once this entire oh, hour, bro. If he comes here and I get a hold of you, yeah, you know, yeah, we're not sending emails. That's already automated. So okay, okay great. Ah, damn, you got tweets this time. Now do the do the rapid fire. The rapid fire. This was way more interesting than than the tweets <laughs> I'm gonna read. I feel all like right. I don't have all that many good tweets. Okay. Soon to come. My drafts folder is like overflowing, but I wait, you you, t you tweet very like about like work and stuff. Yeah, I promise I, you, I he hasn't read through your tweets. No, otherwise he would have pulled it up. No, no, no. Look, he actually did look. Through yeah, your tweets. Okay. but it's like these aren't like he didn't give me a lot to work with here. Am I in Steve Jobs' prerogatory if I purgatory, build purgatory, purgatory? Oh, purgatory. <laughs> if I build trading bots, you tweeted that in 2018. I don't even know what that means anymore. I, I didn't. I don't know what it <laughs> means now. So, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh God! Uh, now that I cannot count on my fingers, um, I would say like probably something around. Oh, you should start like a certain type of company. Um, like every time someone tells you like, oh, you should start like this type of company, I think they're trying their like best to be genuine um, in getting you to do something that they want to exist, mm -hmm. um, not in your best interest. And so, like when I was starting Respond, just left Atmos. I was thinking about, okay, well, it's going to be uh, either space, biotech, or uh, AI. And like, okay, space, I don't have nearly enough like connections or capital to do that. So that's yeah. out. Um, I'm on like crash course episode like 14 by now of like biology. And so I'm there's like no way I can do like a BCI startup. So yeah. that's, that's out. So then AI was what was left. And I was like, well, I can do that. And the timing's right too. Um, mm. But like there were a lot of different ideas that I thought about none of which were outside of those bounds, but there were a lot of things that people came to me or like, Oh, you should build like, um, like hardware, like internet of things or like homes, you know, kind of tied to your old. No, the home story thing again. Yeah. I was just <laughs> well, like, like smart home stuff. I was just like, no, I think I might actually just like gouge my eyes out instead. Oh, um, like I do not want to do anything more in real estate. It's a great industry, but you don't know anything thing. about it. <laughs> I what? You don't know how to build the homes. Well, man. Yeah. There's like hammers Stop. and nails. And then there's, um, is this why there's a shortage of contractors? Because we're hiring like these guys to build. <laughs> 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 no, 
No, yeah. For legal reasons, we were not the contractors. All right. Since we're doing rapid fire, what's your favorite book you've ever read? Okay. The, the favorite fiction book is going to be Redwall. Uh, that was like one of my favorite books as a child. And then uh, for like nonfiction book, there was, uh, there was one about like <laughs> the meta side of mental frameworks of like not like different mental frameworks for you to use. I'm mm. big on mental frameworks. I gave speeches about it um, in college. But like, how do you form them? Like, why do they help you? Like, how mm. do you measure them and stuff like that? Yeah. I thought it was like actually a really interesting framing. The problem is I don't remember what the book was called. And I lost it. <laughs> As one does it was with like, their favorite book. It was like, it wasn't <laughs> Yo, like changing your crazy. mind, but it was like architecting your oh mind. But how'd you pick the book? Like you didn't read the title. You just opened I can like it. remember the like visual on the front. Mm. Never judge a book by its cover. Never check the cover either. Just <laughs> right, read the book. Right. And then just like chuck it out. Yeah. That's All crazy. Right. Let me ask you one more and we'll end off with that. What's your favorite framework for building a company? Um, An AI company in 2023 that isn't a GPT rapper. How do I get one for like general companies? Um, something That's, that like I've struggled with quite a bit. Like when you do a startup or do any kind of like interesting project, you're going to get a lot of people in a lot of opinions. I think like the most valuable skill that you can probably build up is your filter. It's like your mm. filter for incoming information. I see like people mess this up time and time again. I was like, oh, but my investor said this or my friend said this or like I heard from this really good or like Sam Altman said this. And like that doesn't matter because what does matter is your context. Like mm. those people are going to say things out of their um, out of their like context and what they know about the world and, and what you're trying to do. But that does not mean it translates well to you. And so like, yeah. you know, if they did like a D to C startup and they were selling like, I don't know, um, like non-alcoholic spirits or, or like books or something like that, like they're going to have a, probably very different experience. And they're going to say like, oh, you should market um, in this way. Maybe you should do like paid ads or like something like that. This yeah. is an easy example. Most of the time it's a lot harder to dissect it from the truth of like what you should be listening to. But like you always have to have a filter of like that filter should be asking yourself what uh, about their experience is actually relevant to my experience right now. And then that's the stuff you can take with you. Mm. And I, I do a lot of like mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes with this too. Like I listen to people that, um, they have like well-meaning, respectable opinions. They're just like flat out terrible ideas for what I'm doing. Hmm. That's good advice. That's a good, that's a good thing to end yeah. off on. You know, a year ago today was the first time we ever filmed an episode. It was a test episode for the podcast. Wow. A, a year I'm honored. Ago, a year ago today. It was a test episode? It was. The real episode is in a week but from now. Do we, yeah. do we get cake? You got an AI, like a VA. Oh, like a birthday cake? Why do we get a damn? We should have right. We should have done that. Why cake? We should have told Kieran. That's a cake. All right, we're gonna end this off now. What do you want people to? Check Any out? last words? <laughs> uh, what would your last words be? Please don't get our Claude API key banned. <laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs>